Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Beautiful Minds. My name is Martin. I'm joined by my best mate and co-host Staz and our guest today is Kelly Collins. Kelly, you're the host and founder of the Work Wellness Podcast and you have your own coaching platform called Soul Spark. It's a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to Beautiful Minds. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm in California. so Amazing. How's the right weather now. there? Sunny, I bet. It has been sunny. It's been really yeah. nice. We had kind of a long winter for here, a winter for here. I mean, What's the winter in California? <laughs> it rained a lot, <laughs> which is rare for here. So, you know, we're kind of wimps. But <laughs> Perhaps we've donated some to you because we've had hardly any rain <laughs> here in London. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you still sit, are you still stuck at home at the moment? Yes, for the most part. They opened the parks and stuff last week, so. Oh, that's but, good. Yeah, but you can't like sit down. You have to walk around and keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Staz is a doctor, so he's been he's been busy. <laughs> yeah, so I've actually, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've been going to work as normal, and it's nice because that's where I get to socialize a bit as well, uh, instead of being stuck at home. So. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah he, that's nice. <laughs> he's a hero. We clap for him every every Thursday on the street. Oh, I love that. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly, so, tell us um, a little bit about what you do. So we so that yeah, we can find out a bit more about uh, you know your podcast and your coaching platform. That'll be very interesting. Yeah. So I like to call myself <laughs> a yoga and wellness teacher. So I teach yoga, um, but I've been in the wellness space for about 13 years now. So like my entire adult life, I've been in wellness in some capacity or another. I started out in fitness, um, then went into yoga, and then kind of combined everything that I've learned from all the different modalities into what I teach now. And um, yeah, I'm also really into teaching women to become more empowered. So that's where my new program, Soul Spark, uh, came about. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit more. I yeah. see. Yeah. So please tell us about the program. Um, so when did you first set it up? I just launched it about a week ago. Yeah. Um, so I've been over the past few years leading a lot of retreats and events and over the last couple of years really started targeting um, women with it just because that's who I resonate with as a woman. Um, And when I got into the world of yoga, I was in a very unempowered state. I had a lot of issues I was dealing with and finding yoga and mindfulness really changed my life. So that is why I've been really gravitating towards teaching other women how to do this. So um, with this whole COVID-19 situation, um, I've had, you know, extra time on my hands. I've been teaching and working with clients from home, um, but I decided to use this time to really launch the program that I've been wanting to launch for a long time. So that is SoulSpark. But yeah, that's why we just launched it and super excited to be sharing it. Did you used to receive a lot of coaching as well? Um, I am working with my first coach. I haven't really worked with a coach before. It's something I've been thinking about for a while, but really wanted to make sure that I found someone who resonated with me um, and that I trusted. And, you know, you just got to make sure you have that right relationship so you really get the the full thing out of it. So I'm really excited for the woman I'm working with. She's wonderful. And she's a badass. (laughs) What's her name? 
Her name's uh, Louisa Megan. Yeah, is she on Instagram? Can we find her there? She is. She's not. She doesn't use Instagram a lot, but she's on there, yeah. and I can send you guys her link. And yeah, she's. I really love her energy, and she brings some of the spiritual aspects to the table. But she's very like, you know, empowered and is teaching me how to really put up boundaries, which we can talk about more later. I saw that question about, you know, my career path and the issues I've had and boundaries are really challenging. Um, I think for a lot of people. So, um, she's very strong and I'm excited to be working with her. That's good. That's what you need. Just going back to, uh, when you first started. So how did you get into coaching? Where did the idea and the inspiration all come from? Yeah. Um, well, I've always thought of myself as a coach in some form or another as a personal trainer and a fitness instructor. Um, you know, I've really been coaching people since I was like 18 years old on how to get healthy and fit um, physically. And then that's kind of transformed into why I want to work with people a little bit more mentally and spiritually. Um so yeah, I don't really resonate with the term coach a lot. I like to think of myself as a teacher a little bit more, but yeah, what I'm, what I'm doing, I guess, is a coaching program. So <laughs> I see. Yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Staz, we were talking about this the other day. I know, you know, you went to UPW with Tony Robbins last year yeah. and you were saying how much it inspired you to become a coach one day. Well, it's always something that's at the back of my mind. It's something. It's always something that I like and think about. It's not something I want to do right now, but maybe at some point in the future, who knows? Well, the relationship is that you got the idea from coaching itself. It wasn't just something that came to you. And I think what she said, yeah, you know, that's she true. That's whole true. adult life coaching, that's pretty yeah. intense, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got the inspiration from coaching itself. So it wasn't an idea that just came to me or I found somewhere. It was, it was from coaching. Yeah. I'm like that as well. When something inspires me and I think, well, I want to be able to pass that inspiration on to someone else. It's like, you don't kind of wake up one day and just feel like, I don't know, you want to inspire others unless you've been inspired in the same way by someone. Mm -hmm. So I think that's quite powerful what you've done. I mean, since the age of 18, that's, that's very young. Yeah. 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 I think that's quite unique to start uh, so young. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, I feel grateful that I found my calling at an at an early age, and it's definitely um, evolved, and I think it will continue to evolve, you know, as I go on. But I have definitely been inspired by my teachers and by coaches that I follow, or I've been to their events, kind of like you you did, Staz. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's kind of a combination of both, right? <laughs> what was your friendship circle like when you were a teenager, for example? So I've always really been into like physical activity and movement from a, like the time I can remember. I was like running around climbing trees and played every sport under the sun and um, really got into gymnastics and soccer. Um, and then I became a cheerleader in, in high school. So I was, you know, I had this group of friends who was also really into being active and healthy and um, my coach in high school for cheer was a personal trainer. So actually that really was like my inspiration for getting into fitness. And she got me my first, uh, gym job when I was 18. I was home after my first year of college and worked at a gym for the summer selling personal training. And then through that, I started actually working with people and that's amazing. It's all history. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how much your friends have an influence on you. So when you surround yourself with those types of people that are into movement and 
uh, I don't know, high performance training or gymnastics. I think that has a big effect on where you're going to go in life. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I mean, I like to think when I'm a parent someday, probably that I'll have my kids doing all sorts of stuff like that. But I think it's also, you know, if, if someone's into art or writing or whatever, it's so important to let like you help them to immerse themselves in those types of things as well. Cause it, you, it does you really get a shape. Bit from your family too. The physical stuff. Yeah. 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 Ever. I mean, my cu- I have a ton of cousins. We're all into working out and being healthy. And my dad was an athlete. My mom was a dancer. So they definitely encouraged it. And uh, my mom's also really creative. So that was a really nice um, thing for me. And when we talk about my program, I can talk about creativity a little bit more, but I think sure, it's yeah. so important for, cause we're all creative. Some of us are just more tapped into it than others. So um, I'm grateful that I was like encouraged in that aspect of my life as well. And uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the program that you've set up? Uh, you said you said it, it's been uh, live for a week now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I just launched it. Um, I'm filling spots right now. What, so what it is is I created an eight-week template. I'll be yeah. working one-on-one with people, um, but obviously it's going to shift depending on the person. So the whole point is to help women to become. Um, aligned with their purpose, help them discover it if they're confused about what that is. And I really, like I said earlier, I think our purpose is ever evolving. Um, We can have multiple purposes in our life, but I think that we all came here in these bodies in this moment in time for a reason. So that's really like the main point of the program is to help people get aligned with their purpose. um, discover what their purpose is through what brings them joy and feeling creative and really alive. Um, and then to help them feel empowered to actually go live that. So, um, for example, we start with basically mindfulness tools. I teach them how to meditate, talk about the importance of moving your body. And I think, you know, I'm a big fan of yoga, obviously, but also strength training and running. But, um, I think it's important for people to be moving their bodies in a way that brings them joy and makes them feel physically good. Cause yeah. when we feel good physically, we do mentally and vice versa. So, um, so we start with that and then we do, uh, inner child healing. We work through limiting beliefs and blocks and conditioning. Basically I help them figure out what that purpose is and then how they can go forward from there. Yeah. So eight weeks, each week kind of has a topic, they get a little bit of homework, um, and then we just get to kind of see where the journey takes us. It'll be different for everyone, so. And in terms of the physical aspects of the program, so do you incorporate yoga into the program, or do you try and inspire them to, to start doing yoga, or do you sort of say, what would you like to do physically? How does it work? So I'm going to do a little yoga with them. And then I have a lot of uh, recorded classes. So I'm going to be giving them classes that they can do on their own. Um, But I really want to encourage people to find the type of movement that they love. And it can be multiple types. Like I said, I have like three different things that I do consistently. Um, I don't think we should. It's good for your body to do multiple things, you know, but I want to encourage people to find what works for them and something that they can stick with and will feel good doing because some people yoga is not for them, you know? 
Yeah. Just on yoga, I have a question because recently I discovered that yoga isn't necessarily an exercise or a martial mm. art. It's actually something that you're in. It represents a state of peace. So mm-hmm. is that the whole idea behind movement-based coaching or movement-based self-improvement, for example? Yeah. So as I was saying that, I was thinking I should definitely expand on that. So Yoga is a philosophy, right? It's a way of living, a way of being, as you said. Um, Asana, which is the physical postures of yoga, um, is just one of the, there's eight limbs of yoga. So asana is just one of them, right? You Mm -hmm. have your other limbs, um, for example, pranayama, which is breath work. Um, Yeah. And and then you have your yamas and your niyamas, which are kind of like, I like to say like the 10 commandments of yoga if you think about the Ten Commandments and Catholicism, that's, that's what I was raised as. Um, but it's different ways of living inward and outward, right? So, so as you said, it really is a, a state of being. But what the as- asana was created originally so that people could actually sit down and meditate, right? So a lot of people have trouble meditating because they have all this energy, right? And her mind's going crazy and and really the point of meditation is to become aware of our thoughts and our thought patterns, which is why that's so important with this program to be mm-hmm. able to learn to meditate. But yeah, so asana was originally created so these young yogis could sit down because the little yogis were like little boys way back like 5,000 years ago um, so that they could sit down and meditate for long periods of time. And so the asana opens up your body and create strength so you can sit comfortably, right? And then your mind's a little quieter. So my purpose with movement for people is that even if the yoga asana practices don't work for them, any type of movement is going to be able to get you into that place of more stillness, strength, and flexibility. Um, With yoga specifically, but I think this can really, you know, relate to all forms of movement. But when I teach, I like to talk about a topic. For example, I'll say this is what we're working on class. We'll maybe do a meditation or a breath work practice or whatever. And then I don't like to talk too much about the philosophical stuff during the asana practice because the movements, the postures can actually change your consciousness level without you actually having to like think about it too much. So every posture, for example, helps you to find balance and strength in certain ways. So I hope That's that makes sense. Yeah, let's yeah, talk a bit about the yeah. consciousness level because it's not something that I've ever heard before. Yeah, so I read this like amazing quote the other day and it basically was saying what I just said, but we have our chakras. So this is like a whole, this could be a whole podcast in itself, <laughs> but have you guys heard of the chakra system? No. Um, so I, I should have heard <laughs> of it because I've been doing yoga for, let me tell you for how long now. One, two. Well, t- tell her how many hours worth of yoga you've done. I think that's. I don't know, but I've been, I've been doing yoga for five months now, and quite regularly. I do it about Every five. Every day, mate, religiously. Five, five, about five times a week. Yeah. And for me, amazing. When people tell me, "Oh, you're just stretching," and like actually, I feel like it's some of the most intense exercises I've, I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. We just I do vinyasa type practices, so it's just continually flowing from one uh, posture to another, basically, and mm-hmm. that's what I find really great about it. But I feel like I haven't really tapped into the into the philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and before I dive into what that is, I do want to say there's so many different types of yoga that you can practice, right? Like you're saying, I mostly teach vinyasa, but yeah. if someone doesn't like the flowing, they can do hatha, which is slow and you're holding the postures longer. Yeah. Um, they can do yin, which is deep stretch. They can do restorative, which is really just stress relieving. So for people who are intimidated by yoga, I always say like, don't try one and then just throw your hands in the air and, you know, say you don't like it or whatever. Like try the different types that you can, right? And with the internet, we really have everything at our disposal, but um, give, give other uh, types of yoga a try before you give it up. But yeah. so the chakras are, are energetic systems of the body. And this is, Something I heard about when I was in my teacher training and I just like, I was like, this is like everything to me. I love it because the, it really combines the mind, body, and spirit in all aspects. So I'm going to try to sum this up quickly so it doesn't go on too long. But basically the chakras run up and down the spine. So from the base of your spine to like right above the crown of your head, yeah. you have seven main ones. You have like other little chakras all over, but you have seven main chakras and they're basically spinning wheels of energy, right? So when we're doing breath work, we're, we're breathing through our breath channels, our prana channels, and we have a main one that goes along the spine. So then the chakras align with that, basically. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. Okay. Okay. So for example, our root chakra is the first one that's formed when we are in the womb, basically until we're like a year old. And it's our center of feeling safe and secure and grounded in life. So feeling safe, you know, mentally, but also physically. So it's our most dense and materialistic chakra. So they go from like the most material to most ethereal. So our crown chakra is like our connection to divine or source or whatever that higher power is to you. The root chakra is really our connection to this physical world that we're in. So physically, it affects our like legs and our feet and our um, rectum, <laughs> like those that area of the body. That's like the physical, and they all correlate with also a um, a nerve plexus. Yeah. So you probably know this. What's the nerve plexus right at the base of the spine? The <laughs> one second. <laughs> That's actually the base of the, the sacral plexus. Uh, is there one below it? I think maybe not. Um, but you get it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the sacral plexus. Yeah. Okay. So, for example, the sacral plexus. Yeah. Um, so that's like the physical, and then the spiritual side of it is that like grounding, feeling connected to Mother Earth, and um, and then mentally it's feeling safe and secure in our world that we're in. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. 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 So they all have something like that, right? Our sacral, our sacral chakra is our center of creativity, sexuality, abundance. And then our solar plexus is our center of empowerment and transformation and like self-worth. Right. And then we have our heart, which is our center of unconditional love and forgiveness and compassion in relationship. We have our throat, which is our center of communication. Our third eye, which is our center of intuition and that like deep inner knowing. And then as I mentioned before, the crown, which is our 
center of connection to source or the divine. So amazing, amazing. I can tell Martin will be doing yoga tonight. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> the funny thing is, I started doing yoga when I was like nineteen, twenty. Um, I started doing the digital digital ones in my in my house in university. And then I kind of went off it, then came back to it. So I've always been bouncing on and off it. And I guess it's just a matter of finding a community or an instructor that I really resonate with because I think that's the main thing for me. Otherwise, I, actually, I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's so important because, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I go to yoga classes and I just, I don't know, I'm just not enjoying it because I feel I'm not really connecting with the instructor. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas... I know, I know I have one or two instructors uh, with the place where I do yoga that like, I really, really enjoy it. So yeah, you told me, yeah. that does make such a massive difference. Definitely. Yeah. And same for me. I completely agree. Yeah. So even as a yoga instructor, right? Like your class or your peers. Yeah. And, and they make an impact. Sometimes I'll go to a class. And I'm just like, ugh. but it's not, but I know it's not the instructor. It's oh. me. And it's like, maybe that's not what I wanted that day. But a lot of times, right, what we want isn't what we actually need. So I try to like look at it from that perspective too. But sometimes yeah. you just don't resonate with someone or the style or whatever. And um, I found as I've gotten deeper in my practice, it's easier for me to take a class that I'm not really resonating with and just get through it with a little less resistance. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but it still comes up. So each chakra different postures help to balance, bring it into balance a little bit easier. So that's what I meant by our, the physical postures can change our consciousness and our energetic balance because each thing that we do is going to help bring one of those or multiple of those centers back into more balance because they can get out of balance. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That's yeah, that's, yeah, I've never actually... I never saw it that way and I didn't actually know that. So yeah, that's really useful to know for when I do practice yoga. So just as an example, like when you do certain movements like uh, I don't know, downward dog or other says you can name all the, all the positions now, but are you saying that each position is linked to a specific uniform level of consciousness that everyone in the class should experience when they go through that posture? Yeah, I think everyone's experience will be different because different, we're all yeah. coming from different places. But for example, downward dog, you're in a you're in an inversion, right? So the energy in like your blood is flowing towards the head, flowing okay. towards the heart and the brain. Yeah. So that specific and I don't know. I know in Hatha yoga, they actually like have specific chakras or postures for the chakras, but I so I don't know if this is correct in that term, but this is how I teach it. It's for it's going to stimulate the crown and the third eye chakra because it's bringing all that energy down towards the head. And the third eye is here and the crown's above. So and then for example, pigeon posture yeah. I think it can be really balancing. It's really balancing for your hips, that your sacral chakra, but also your heart chakra. So they can help to balance multiple chakras. It's not like just one, you know. So yeah, I'll give definitely. you one more example. For child's pose, I always have people like rock their head side to side. So they're stimulating their third eye, but it's also releasing the hip. So that'll also help release the sacral or balance the sacral chakra. Yeah, that's good. So now you know that says. Yeah, I've never actually done the uh, the moving the head when in child's pose. So yeah, that's something to try. Yeah, cool.
I think I made it up. I don't know. You know, yeah. you just start doing things and you're like, I don't know where I got this from. Well, that's what it is. It's innovation, right? It's an ancient, ancient practice. And I think innovation is always required. Mm -hmm. I felt before I started teaching yoga that I was pretty disconnected from my creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I started teaching, I really felt like I was able to tap back into that because, um, sequencing, for example, it's like choreographing a dance, right? It's like coming up with a sequence. And for me, it was like very, um, liberating in a way and helped me to kind of tap back into that like inner child creative. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that your course, it, it actually has uh, elements of creativity in it in terms of bringing it out and other people that participate in the course. The creative practices I'm going to do with people will definitely vary, but I encourage people actually to first tap into their creativity through, I do like a sacral chakra yoga flow. And it's very, because also each chakra is correlated with or related to an element. So for example, the sacral chakra is water. So when you think of water, you think of fluidity, adaptability, uh, right? It's not like rigid and stuck. It's like you're really in the flow. Um, So I encourage them first to tap into it through a really like flowy yoga practice that I'll do with them in our coaching. Um, And then depending on, you know, where they're at and what actually sparks their creativity, I'll give them homework based on that. But I really do think that if someone's unaware of what their purpose is or like if they have no idea, the first thing I encourage people to do is to look at what brings them joy and helps them to feel tapped back into that creative energy. And that, because like when you think of our creative energy, it's our inner child, you know, coming out as we get older, unless we were really like supported in being creative, which most of us aren't because it's like, you should be a lawyer or a doctor, right? Not that, the, not that, I mean, it's amazing to be a doctor, yeah. but those are very like mentally um, like rigid practices in a way. Obviously you have to be creative if you're a doctor and you're like saving a life and all of that yeah, stuff. I, but, know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. They're the yeah. safe go-to options in terms of career paths. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually doing this um, workbook right now. It's called The Artist's Way, and I'd really recommend it to people. But she talks about how, you know, for the most part, if you're into drawing as a kid, maybe you're not like a prodigy, right? But like you're into drawing or poetry or whatever. It's not like you're many, – many parents aren't going to be encouraging that. They're going to be like, do your math homework, do yeah. your science homework. You know what I mean? It's like all the other things come first usually – before our creativity. So I always just encourage people to really like look at what brings them a lot of joy and helps them to feel that creative energy start to flow again. And they might be super blocked. And again, that goes back to like blocks energetically or limiting beliefs or conditioning that people have experienced um, throughout adolescence or even like traumatic events. Um, and traumatic events can be small or big. They don't have to be like this crazy thing to traumatize someone, right? Yeah, yeah. So I encourage people to look at that. And then if they still can't really figure it out, that's why it's so important to look at our limiting beliefs. You know, even if you know what your purpose is, you should know your limiting, like what's blocking you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you talk about uh, blockages because we're talking to Luca Durbino, weren't we, Stas? And he's an illustrator for The Economist. And you think, you know, The Economist is like a very serious magazine talking about politics and, you know, 
everything that's happening around the world, uh, economically speaking. And, you know, he has to come up with illustrations that catch the eye and really kind of bring the article to life. Before someone's even read the article, they know what it's about, what the main message is. And he has to do that in a very creative way. And he was talking to us about some of his creative methods and how he has to ideate for so long and have like a funnel of ideas and then chuck so many out. And he's left with like one idea. And I think what you're describing is very similar because, you know, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. If you can incorporate some level of creativity, it's going to elevate it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Super powerful. And Kelly, what type of coaching methods do you use? So, for example, uh, you've mentioned mindfulness. Um, do you use, for example, neurolinguistic programming or uh, any other types? Um, no, I, I don't with that. I would say, I mean, mindfulness is really like my main my main coaching method, I think, because I, I really do believe, and I think NLP, I've actually looked into getting certified for that and other things It just hasn't happened quite yet, but I'm sure I will incorporate that stuff as I go along. But I really find that if we can become really aware and then intentional, we can really create the life that we desire. So mindfulness really is the like root, like the core of um what i'm coaching yeah but yeah Yeah. i was listening to your last episode with tyler about intuitive eating and Mm -hmm. i found it really interesting it's not it's not a term i've actually come across before and i read a lot about nutrition and making sure that i'm giving my body what it needs is that something that you also give coaching on yes absolutely i've i've been teaching so with personal training so i have my degree in kinesiology and the emphasis was fitness, nutrition, and health. So I did take nutrition through college mm-hmm. and have nutrition certifications that I received after. Um, so I've always worked with my clients on their nutrition and meal plans. What I really encourage people to do now, because this is in alignment with my values, is to um, look at eating plant-based um, because I'm plant-based and vegan. And I encourage that. I also respect people if they want to eat meat, but I I encourage my clients to at least eat primarily plant-based because I do believe that the energy in food differs based on the type of food it is, where it comes from, um, what the source was. And just to be clear, are we talking about spiritual energy or caloric energy? Okay. Spiritual energy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but I believe that that spiritual energy has that also an effect on how we look and feel and all of that. So that's kind of the coaching that I do now. Um, I used to be very like meal plan macros, like Mm -hmm. the specific calories, but as Tyler and I talked about in that episode, um, that no longer resonates with me. I had issues with like body image and eating disorder when I was younger. And so I found that that kind of restriction isn't something that I want to teach people to do, but I see, I, I do see the value in it. Um, especially if you're trying to like do something specific, like a bodybuilding show or, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) if, if you're getting ready for your wedding or whatever, like I, it's totally effective and, um, a good thing to do if that resonates with you. But yeah, what we were, me and her were talking about was really like being in tune with um, your intuition and allowing that to guide you. And 
again, it goes back to awareness. Like, why am I snacking when I'm not hungry? Usually that's because you're trying to block an emotion or you're uncomfortable or you're trying to numb, right? Eating is a huge source of numbing for many, many, many people. I I would say for most people. So that's really kind of what I like to teach now. How how are you finding it? I mean, I love it. I think, I think it's empowering for people to like build this relationship with food so that it's nourishing them and making them feel amazing. And I think that when you focus on how you're actually feeling like energetically, you're going to look amazing too. Definitely. Like you're, when you're happy energetically and mentally, your body is going to reflect that. I think. They say your stomach is like your second brain, right? So mm-hmm. it makes sense to focus a lot on your eating and what you're putting into your second brain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you have acid reflux, you're not going to be in a good mood, right? <laughs> and how do you typically get that? By eating fried foods or acidic foods or super spicy. Yeah. Not that, you know, I mean, I don't think super spicy in general is good for you, but... <laughs> But um, I know some people love it. <laughs> so yeah. I guess if that's what fills you up and makes you happy, <laughs> yeah. eat your spicy food. But yeah. And when did you start your podcast? I started in September 2019. So I think I just on Wednesday posted my 36th episode. Oh, nice. Congrats. It's been, thank you. Super consistent. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a journey. Um, but it doesn't feel like work to me. I love it but yeah and what what are you trying to achieve with the podcast what's your are you trying to put the message uh, out there basically yeah so my like little tagline the main purpose behind it is to help people approach wellness from an ethical intentional and individualized mindset so i really want to help people to become more conscious and aware on all levels um because as I mentioned, my journey with wellness really like started in the physical, um, transformed into this more like spiritual practice. And I want people, I want people to realize that they can bring that consciousness and that intention to every aspect of their life and to recognize that just because something works for me, isn't going to work for you or, you know, all of us have different bodies and yeah. I think what you just said really resonates with me because I also started in a very physical sense and then I realized that wellness and health is very multi-layered and the more you strip away, the more you discover and you're just thinking, well, what's next? What's next? You know, it's full of surprises. Yeah, it is. That's how I think of many things. It's like just layers and layers. Like for example, going back to the limiting beliefs thing, I was doing a workshop the other day and I, I was talking about, I'm like, I asked all the women, like, what are your limiting beliefs? And they like told us and, and I just talked about how, you might recognize a limiting belief and do all this work and get through it and be like, Oh, I'm good. You know, like maybe say that you feel like you're not worthy of making a certain amount of money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You might get to the place where you're like, no, I feel super in my worth, like ready to make money. And you're like on this good path. And then maybe a couple of years later, something happens and you're like, Oh, there it is again. There's that same belief, like Mm. sneaking back up. Cause usually it's, there's layers to it. You're never, it's like a constant journey as with wellness or yeah. as with like our, our whole lives. So you it's know? something you just have to continuously uh, practice uh, rather than something you just do once and that's it. That belief is out, you know, and that's it. You'll never have to get back mm-hmm. to it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like meditation and yoga asana, for example, are amazing practices to have for your whole life because they continuously cultivate that awareness of what's going on. And um, I really believe that if we're aware, we really have the power, we have power and we have the power to choose what we're going to do with that awareness. If we're oblivious, then we're just kind of like fucked. Hopefully I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) We're screwed. (laughs) And you talked about setting boundaries and that your mentor was telling you that, you know, if you set boundaries, then you can actually elevate and go much further. Yeah. I realized a few years ago, really like as I was like on this journey myself, that there was like certain boundaries I needed to start with like, or set with family members, for example. And then it was like last year I realized, okay, I need more boundaries in my relationships. And then I realized recently with this coach, like, okay, I need to be setting more boundaries in my business as well. Like, I just think it's so important to be figuring out what works for us. And what she talked about the other day was just like, what makes you feel resentful? What makes you feel drained and exhausted? And then look at that and then set boundaries around it. Like you don't have to let yourself get to a point where you feel like shit or you feel angry or annoyed or resentful or drained. Like we have the power and I think I'm lucky as an entrepreneur to really have the power to say, this is, you know, I'm not going to work these hours or I'm not going to work for this amount of money. Um, People are always trying to like get a deal, right? So it's important as an entrepreneur to like stand in your worth and stand in the price you set, for example. So um, yeah. And, and again, it's like an ever evolving peeling back layers of where I need to like stand in, stand in my worth and stand in my values and what I want my life to look like. And I find that people really respect you when you do that. Yeah. And with regards to the boundaries, do you feel that's connected with your values and beliefs? Are boundaries, are they just your beliefs or do you, or do you think that's something completely different? Yeah. I think you set boundaries based off of your beliefs. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of like an example, I guess. Um, I guess start with your business. Maybe you said you set some with your business recently. Maybe that's something which. Yeah. So for example, I guess, you know, one of my big limiting beliefs was just my self-worth feeling unworthy. And like I said, it's, it comes back, it resurfaces here and there. I find that when I tell a client that we are like, this is my rate, right? And then they try to like finagle it down and like get a, get a cheaper rate. That brings up my self-worth limiting beliefs. So I have to set that boundary because I know that I value myself and I value how I feel inside mm-hmm. and I want to feel empowered. So setting that boundary is very important to say like, no, I'm not like going to give someone a deal for yeah. a session or for my program or whatever. I think that's very powerful because uh, I guess a lot of people go through things like that in life, you know, a lot of people, whether they're doing business or even at work and uh, they don't have very clear boundaries of what they want. So I think that would resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I like think about relationships, like how many people 
put up with things that they originally said that they would never put up with. And when you do that, you're constantly just knocking down how you feel about yourself or what you think like your life could be like or what you're capable of, you know? So it's like whenever we're going into anything, a relationship or a business partnership or, um, yeah, just anything, right? We should know what we want out of it and what our boundaries should be. I think that should be like a prior thought. Like this is what I'll accept and this is what I won't. And it doesn't have to be like a, like a super mean, like, like if you don't, you know, but it can just be like, this is, this is what I need. And like, if you don't want to honor that, that's okay. But this business partnership or relationship partnership or whatever can't be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to get a bit more into coaching. So you've mentioned that you've started working with a coach quite recently. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, wh- why now? Why, uh, why did you decide uh, to work with a coach at this point in time? Because you've been in the coaching space for quite uh, a long time now. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I started going to like more live events and kind of getting my um, learning through that. Yeah. And then for the last probably year or so, I've been thinking about hiring a coach to really like work with me one-on-one and to help me get past the resistance I've had with like scaling my business or going in a different direction or, you know, we all have our different fears and resistances and I totally see the value in working with someone who can help you do things that you don't know how to do. Right. We can all figure it out on our own, which I've done a lot of, but I was feeling ready to have someone help me like get there faster, (laughs) you know? So, so I've been thinking about it for a while. I've, I've talked to people. Um, it really, I think came down to timing and just like who she is and what she represents. And, um, she was, referred to me through someone who I know has built a really amazing business through her. Um, and yeah, the timing was right. You know, I was sitting at, I'm home more. I was like, what better time than now to like really work on doing the things that I've been putting off because I'm too busy doing life. Right. And do you think everyone should have a coach? Um, no, (laughs) I think, I think everyone could benefit from a coach, but I think that people should only get a coach and also like this can go towards so many things, but like when they're ready for it, you don't want to, you don't want to spend thousands of dollars and like waste your money if you're not like feeling ready to like really put yourself out there or to make a big change or what if you're going through something crazy emotional in your life I mean you could find a coach to help you with that that would be really beneficial I guess what you're saying is are you saying that you need to have leverage to change before you start coaching you need to be you need to decide that I want to change and that's why I'm getting a coach is that correct I think so yeah yeah and for example what if um someone wants to change but they don't have the leverage they they just don't have that commitment do you think in that situation a coach could help them to get that leverage to to help them decide to change or do you think in that scenario it wouldn't really work hmm i think a lot for a lot of people this is such an interesting question i think yeah. for a lot of people it's like they 
they say the money thing is why they can't like do coaching. Right. So a lot of people will probably just not pay the money. Maybe if they have a lot of extra money, they'll like get the coach, even though they're not feeling ready to change. And I think in that circumstance, it definitely could have an effect, but will they show up? Will they even put in the work? Yeah. You can see your coach once a week on zoom or, I mean, it depends on the type of program you're doing, but as, as with like getting in good physical shape, right? If you go see your personal trainer once a week and then eat like shit and don't do anything the rest of the week, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's the same for everything. So that's why I think if you're not really ready, you're probably not going to do the work to actually make the changes in your life. And that can really be for any, any area of your life. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. On the other hand, I'm thinking, so I'm actually doing uh, listening to a Tony Robbins program at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he's talking about is in order to have, in order to be ready to change, you need to decide that I need to change now. And in order to do that, you need to link enough pain so that, you know, if you don't change, you're going to have so much pain and uh, you need to link enough pre- pleasure so that your new behavior gives you the pleasure instead of thinking, you know, if I exercise, I'm going to be tired or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess I was thinking if you say you don't, you don't really want to change, but then you go to the coach and the coach gets you to say, do an exercise where you link a lot of pain to your current behavior and a lot of pleasure to the outcome. Could that like push you over the edge so that you're like, oh no, I can't do this. Like I just, I want to change now. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, I completely agree with everything you just said that he said, like, I think we do have to really like be sick of the pain and like realize that unless we do something, our life is just going to stay in this trajectory. So do we want to change the trajectory of our life or keeping miserable? (laughs) Right. So, yeah, I mean, in that case, I suppose if you are like, Oh, I don't want to do it. But I think if you realize that life is just going to be painful and shitty. You are going to want to change. Yeah, it's, the, hopefully. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult concept because if you go to a coach, you presume that you really want to change. That's why you're going to them in the first place. So yeah, it's, um, you can look at it either way, really. Yeah. Yeah. But you might have more resistance. I mean, some people are going to have more resistance than others. Right. But yeah. if you're like sitting down with the coach, there's something in you that's like ready to change. Um, unless yeah. someone's like forcing you to do it, exactly. which could be, could be, but I think if someone's forcing you to do it, probably not going to see any changes, but maybe if that coach says something in the first session that really sparks something in you, you yeah. know, and that's why a lot of coaches, it's not like you just sign up for a program. Like you talk to them first. And, um, I talked to my coach twice before I signed up for, with her. And that's where I really realized like she was the person for me to work with. Um, and that's how I get people into my program too. Like we'll talk a couple of times and make sure that that's the right fit, that I can actually help them with what they need. Yeah. If I can't, I don't want them to waste their time and money. All that does is, you know, frustrate me exactly. and make me feel like sad that I'm not helping them. So, <laughs> so it's got to be a good fit in both directions for sure. Yeah. And uh, except for working with your coach at the moment, what else do you do to maximize your own personal development? Do a lot of reading. I do a lot of journaling, which I teach a lot of in my program as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I try to journal and meditate every day, practice yoga. I'm teaching a ton online right now, so I haven't been practicing quite as much because when you teach online, you kind of have to do the whole class. So my body has been pretty sore. Um, but yeah, I try to really stay up on reading or I'll take online courses here and there. Um, but throughout this uh, shelter in place situation, it's been really good to get back to like reading consistently on a daily basis. So as I mentioned, I'm reading The Artist's Way right now, which I um, just started, but I'd really recommend it. Um, I also listened to the, I always get it mixed up, The War of Art. Have you guys read that or heard uh, of I've, uh, I think I downloaded it a while ago. I need to try and start reading it. <laughs> you should. It's really, really, really good. good. Yeah. 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 It's all about like resistance and when resistance comes up for you, like what do you do with it? Most of us, when resistance come up, comes up, we like shut down and we just don't do it yeah i think there's a lot of Taoism in that where you kind of want to adapt to the conditions around you right as opposed to resisting them and trying to plow through yeah, yeah. and basically the whole thing is like plow through and you're going to see some like incredible changes and since i listened to that on audible i'm like really noticing where all the resistance is a lot in my life so it's really powerful yeah so yeah, I read um, also Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I'm doing like a book club with some of my friends too. So that's oh, nice. been good. Kind of like a, we're doing mostly like self-improvement books and then we're probably going to throw a couple of fun ones in there at some point. But <laughs> highly recommend doing that to anyone who's still stuck at home. It's a good, yeah. good way to learn and connect. And I guess the podcast as well, right? Like when you have guests on and you speak to them, you learn a lot from them. Like we're learning a lot from you and we learned a lot from other guests. So I you can't take that for granted. No, it's one of the best parts about it. It's like, I just love having conversations like this. And it's, I feel like we're really lucky to, I mean, anyone can start a podcast, right? But um, I'm really glad that I, it resonated with me as something that I would love to do. And it could be one of those things that I'll probably do for years and years, even if there's never like some like huge thing that comes out of it. It's just incredible to like talk to people and learn. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 For sure. What would you say to people uh, in the current situation who are stuck at home? What would, uh, if you could send one message to everyone, what would you, what would that message be? To really just honor where you're at. I mean, I feel like I have a lot of tools to help me stay sane, but I still have had, like last week I had a day where I had so much anxiety. I felt like I was going to have a panic attack and it, there was no apparent reason. I think um, we can have our emotions, but there's also like the collective energy is really intense right now. So sometimes you might feel um, really bad one day and not really know why, but it's probably not even just you. It's like everyone around you. And so really honor where you're at. And when you're having those good days, try to grow and learn and like really use this time to better yourself and to work towards the life that you want. And it doesn't have to be like do, taking actual like, like physical steps to create the life that you want. But maybe if you've been wanting to go on a trip forever, obviously we can't really travel right now, but start to plan it and like get excited about it and uplift yourself. And um, if your career, if you've been wanting to take a different direction, take this time to like figure out what it is that you want to do and like what will actually help you to feel fulfilled in your life. For example, I have a friend who 
got laid off and she's like, she's a photographer. She's super artistic. And what she was doing was very creative, but now she's like, I want to start like tie dyeing clothes and selling these like tie dye shorts. And she made these really cute coloring book pages for me for a workshop I have coming up to like give the women to help them be creative. Right. So she's really taking this time and like seeing how can I like bring my art to the world and make it profitable. So honor where you're at when you're feeling good, like try to really improve your life. And when you're feeling bad, allow yourself to Netflix and chill or do what, do whatever you need to do, you know? Unplugging is is healthier. I think every now and again, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love my like stupid Netflix and Hulu shows, (laughs) (laughs) right? But you have to have balance, but, but if you're having a day where it's like you try to meditate, you try to go outside and go for a walk, you try to read and just like nothing's working, maybe you just need to watch a show or like, you know. You know when it comes to journal you know when it comes to journaling, I was just gonna ask because like it's something that I wanna start doing more of and mm-hmm. no one really explains it properly. I think I've just done it in a kind of way that works for me. Like in the morning I wake up and my mind's like all over the place and I just start writing things down. Maybe something I dreamt about. Maybe it's something that just came to my mind as I woke up. And that for me is what I've been doing as journaling. But I don't know if that's correct. What would you say? What would you say about that? I think that's amazing. That is correct. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's many ways you can journal. So that that you just mentioned is like stream of consciousness journaling is what that's called. Okay. Um, so you're just like writing down your thoughts. And actually that book, The Artist's Way that I was telling you about, um, she has you do these morning pages. So every morning you just basically what you said, write out whatever comes to your mind for three pages. Oh, and okay. that actually, her point with that is like, get out your inner critic. So you can okay. just like let go of all your negative shit first thing in the morning and move on. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, so that's stream of consciousness journaling. Um, you can also do a gratitude journal where you just fill up a page of things that you're grateful for. And that is super uplifting and helps you to go th- like move through your day, feeling that like gratitude and feeling more abundant rather than being starting your day in like a scarcity mindset where you're like, woe is me. I have nothing, you know, cause we all have a lot, yeah. especially if we're able to listen to a podcast or have a computer where we can zoom each other. You know, we have so much more than a lot of people in the world and it's uh, hard to remember that sometimes. So you can do that. You can, I have a thing I kind of created and have been teaching where you write a list of I am statements. So empowering affirmations. Um, So you're identifying with like empowering statements rather than um, non-empowering negative statements. So really, I mean, journaling can be drawing and doodling if you want, right? Yeah, journaling yeah. really like, it's just to clear your mind, um, reflect and become more aware, right? So for yeah. some people that might look like drawing instead of writing. For me, I love to write. I'm, I am a writer. So writing is really um, healing for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just like write random stuff down you know? So really journaling can be anything, but I think it can be confusing for people like you said. So with my programs and I have this on my website, on my blog and stuff too, I, I do journaling prompts for people. So, um, based on the topic of a workshop or for example, um, a week in my course, I'll give them specific things to write about in their journal. Can we expect a book from you in the future? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
definitely um, on my list of things that I want to do in my life. So I have a couple ideas. Um, so maybe in the near next couple of years. So. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. If I was to ask you, what's your greatest fear? What would you say? Now my greatest fear is not living up to like my full potential. Right. Mm -hmm. So kind of squandering that by messing around too much or um, just not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But then it comes back to that, like, you have to honor where you're at sometimes and not like push, push, push all the time. But I would say that's probably my greatest fear. The fear I think before that I had, which is something I've had to work through a lot, is fear of running out of time. Like I always felt like there wasn't enough time and like I have to rush things and patience is something I've had to learn a lot of. How did you overcome that? First, uncovering that awareness that I'm super impatient, <laughs> like in all areas of my life. And I think one of the biggest struggles I've had with my business is I like will start something and then if it's not like happening or like really taking off right away, I get discouraged and then I'll like stop doing it. Um, which I've stopped doing because I became aware of that. Um, yeah. So I, I think just the awareness and like recognizing now when it's coming up and being like, okay, I'm going to like sit through this and not just like freak out that it's not exactly how I think it should be looking in this moment. Yeah. On, on Wednesday, I spoke to one of my friends who's a musician. He's an up and coming artist. His name's Harry Hollis. And he's, he's really talented. And that's one of the things that he was talking about. And I read this book recently called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I told him that what the guy in the book explains is if you imagine an ice cube and the temperature in the room is like 27 degrees Celsius, right? And it, the cube is not melting and it goes up 28, 29. It's still not melting. 30, 31. Oh, 31. It starts to melt, right? Now the cube hasn't started melting at 31 because it's 31 degrees. It's because of all that stored energy potential from 27 28 29 etc it's just stored energy it doesn't mean 27 to 31 has gone to waste if that makes sense yeah yeah so, totally yeah yeah i love that i mean it it's perfect and it, it's like with the podcast right it's yeah. like it takes a while to build 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 and then you all of a sudden you have all of this content and then people can find all of your content and then it's just a spiral yeah. or what's the term the yeah just uh, snowballs effect <laughs> yeah. It's okay. yeah there's not much snow in california we'll forgive you <laughs> yeah yeah i can't remember what snow is like no <laughs> um, yeah no i love that um that yeah. comparison and also time is more abundant than we think right i do reiki as well um i don't i use it a lot i don't know if you guys know what reiki is it's energy healing but um my reiki master she she's like super like out there kind of, but she, she was like, you know, you can like free, you can slow down time, you know, but like really when you think about it, you can, it's like your mental state where when you're in this like rushed, anxious state, I feel like time, like for example, if you're going somewhere and you're running late and you're like, ah, you know, it's like the time seems to just like fly by and then you're late. After she said that, I would notice that when I'm going somewhere and I'm running late, if I'm just like calm and I breathe, I feel like I always end up getting there on time. I know that's like super out there, but I really do think that like I know, I we can kind of yeah, slow down time. That's probably actually actually works. That's really useful to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's as the doctor says. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yes, you can slow down time. You can <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, Kelly, what keeps you awake at night? My to-do list and anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, usually I can fall asleep, but I'll wake up at three in the morning. Actually, this happened last night. I'll wake up at three in the morning. I was like, oh, I have this to do and that. And all of a sudden, my mind is like, and then I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm spiraling. So then I'll try to like breathe. And I find that if I like really focus on my breath, I'll end up falling back asleep. If I keep letting my mind go, then bye. Bye to all my sleep. (laughs) It's funny, the other day I was uh, listening to a podcast by Quick with, um, with Brian Rose and he was talking about how so many of us have to-do lists but we don't have to learn lists or to feel lists, you know. We always think mm-hmm. about doing things but what about the feeling, what about the energy, what about the learning, you know. We should all have separate lists um, and that way your life will become more complete. So I don't want to add the, to the stuff that keeps you awake but I think... Uh, no, I love that. So yeah. he said a list to feel, and what was the other one, Martin? To learn. To learn, okay. So to do, I love to, that. Feel, to learn, yeah. Yeah, because thinking about to-do list, because when you have something to do, say, say you achieve something, right? Because it's not actually, all right, say you want a new car, right? And you buy the new car. It's not actually the car that's going to make you happy. It's the feelings that you associate with it. Yeah. yeah. It also kind of has a interdependent structure to to the to the whole list concept right because these lists are right next to each other and they determine each other so let's say you have on your list to buy a car but you also have like to feel happy well you might think well hang on this car is not going to really make me feel happy what else will make me feel happy then you basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's easy so that's how he that's how he explained it and i thought yeah. that was very powerful it's a very valid way of looking at it yeah definitely. i know I know Staz, he, he knows I manage my day book as a, in, in a dot system. It's a very old English way of managing your, your diary. And I learned it when I was working in sales. And it's a very good way to kind of manage clients. But then I managed to take the dot system. And I think I'm going to use Quick's approach and try and use dots against learning objectives and feeling objectives. I think that's probably I love that. a more complete approach. I'm going to see how it goes. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to definitely... I'm going to ask you for the link to that podcast so that I can listen and do that. I will say too, one of the best things that I've learned um, with business is with your to-do list, it's called like the big three. So you just pick the three things that you have to get that done that day. And if you don't get anything else done, like you feel okay. Like you're not going to be mad at yourself. Like what are the three most important things that I need to get done? And anything after that, it's all, it doesn't matter. Because usually we can't really get more than like three things done unless we have like a whole open day ahead, but we have all this other stuff to do. So I like that approach too. And it's like, then if you did it, you can feel accomplished and you can like go to bed happy. So that helps me to like be a little bit more calm about my to-do list <laughs> and also the top three thing that's also very sensible because it makes sure that you're you're consistently productive whereas if you do five things one day and then one thing over the next two days that's your potential would have been nine in the space in that same time space mm-hmm. so, yeah and it helps you to realize where you're like wasting time on busy exactly. work like 
email, for example, I remember there was a point a couple years ago, I was like, I'm just like on my email all day. Like, what am I doing? And so now I try to be like strategic about it and go on like maybe once or twice a day and just do everything. And then like, I assume that if some it's urgent, someone will tell me, but it's never really that urgent where you need to be on it like every hour. (laughs) So speaking about top three, if you were to leave a room, what would be the top three things that you want the people inside the room to think about you? Um, hmm. I'd like them to think that I'm uplifting. My hope is to uplift people and help them to feel um, inspired and brighter. I'd like them to think that I'm well-spoken, <laughs> something I constantly try to work on. Well, this is for myself, but hopefully people will think this about me, that I'm like helping to change the world. So that's you know one of my big goals in life so yeah sure yeah definitely uplifting <laughs> i'm definitely feeling that i mean we've uh it's, it's quite a long long form episode so it's uh, plenty of things to talk about i think thank you yeah. <laughs> if you had to go back or forwards in time which one would you choose forwards forwards where, where and why i used to be i'm a recovering um regretaholic <laughs> So I feel like I used to like question and I still do this question like why like decisions that I've made or like big life changes and stuff. And what I'm really, really trying to do now in my life is to look forward and be grateful for. And I think we should all do this. Be grateful for everything that's happened in our past, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that. But then get those lessons and just move forward. And that's like really what I want my life to continue to look like so forward is where I want to go I don't know where <laughs> exactly but I think it'll be good <laughs> yeah that's an interesting way of approaching gratitude practice you know dealing with the good bad and the ugly that's, yeah. that's interesting yeah yeah I mean if you think like of maybe like a toxic really I feel like everyone's had some sort of a toxic relationship in their life like looking at that toxic relationship and I mean hopefully I'm sure you've learned something from it. Like we learn something from everything we go through. So especially like the hard things, looking at them, okay, what did I learn? How did I grow as a person and being grateful for that? And then you can like actually do a practice where um, you close your eyes and you envision that person and you thank them for all of the lessons that they gave you. Um, That bigger meditation, it's called Ho'oponopono. It's a um, Hawaiian meditation. And it's actually on my YouTube channel if anyone wants to check it out. Um, But you thank that person for all, everything that they taught you. And um, you also apologize to them for like having to teach you those lessons and having to kind of like do those bad things to you. Um, And it's a really good way of helping you to also find forgiveness and move on. So that's kind of like a little side note, but. Yeah, you should check it out. It's, it's really powerful. And you also do, so the meditation, um, you go, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. So you do it to someone who's harmed you. You do it to someone that you've harmed and you do it to yourself and then you do it to like the whole world. So it's mm. really, really powerful. Yeah. What would be surprised to learn about Kelly Collins? I don't know if you'd be surprised to learn this. Actually, a lot of people have been surprised lately that I've said this because I like remembered that I did this, but I did a bodybuilding show like six years ago. Oh, really? And 
had like the tan and I was like ripped and it's pretty funny. I keep meaning to like post it on Instagram and do a TBT. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it. Yeah, I will. I will. It's really funny. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, I was not expecting that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. It, it requires a lot of uh, dedication and commitment. I guess it's not something that um, everyone can do. I mean, you put yourself through so much physical stress. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why when we were talking about diet, I was like, there's totally a time and a place for counting your calories and macros and all of that. But I think like living day to day, um, it shouldn't be so much about that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do love to challenge myself in ways like that. Like I've done a couple half marathons. I've done a couple like, like treks, um, in Peru. And, um, I like, I think it's really important that we challenge ourselves in different ways because it's very, very empowering. Like once you get through something like that, like that was, it was hard Mm. um, physically and mentally. Um, When you get through something like that, I didn't win or anything, but it was really empowering to know that I could stick with something and see it through Mm, and get those kind of physical results. I'm sure I will never, ever look like that again in my life. And I'm totally okay with it, yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. <laughs> yeah, you know. super impressive still. I mean, yeah, I know I right. couldn't do that. And, you know, I regularly, well, when the gyms reopen, I will regularly return to the gym and, uh, you know, I free weights and stuff like that. It's, it's well incorporated into my web, into my workout. So, and I still see other people that are just so much more consistent and they're definitely training for something. You can see the dedication in their, in their energy. You know, they have this energy about them that they're just so focused. Nothing mm-hmm. can distract them. It's really, really I think, impressive. Yeah. I mean, for example, one of my good friends, she's, she has a really successful uh, fitness YouTube channel with her husband. They're both just like ripped all the time. Like every, every day of the year they are ripped. But that's like fun to them and natural to them them and and that's why we're all so different right like to me being in shape is super important but I'm not being that disciplined to the point where I'm gonna have like a six-pack year-round like Mm. that's not what I want like I'd rather have wine and chocolate and not that they don't they enjoy themselves totally but that dedication to that aspect that physical aspect is like natural within them and I think it's so important that we like honor what's natural to us. I think everyone should be moving and exercising and staying healthy. But if that's not your thing, don't force yourself because then you're going to be miserable. Mm, definitely. Yeah. yeah I'm, re- I'm reading a book called The World's Fittest Book by Ross Edgley. And he, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's from, um, he's from the north somewhere in the UK. I forgot which, which city it was. I think it's Yorkshire. I'm not 100% sure. But he, um, he talks about nutrition in his book and he talks about so many different journals and studies and the conclusion is that you have this food pyramid where the bottom is like the essential foundation where the food tastes good, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not about eating brown rice, broccoli and boiled chicken every day. Like you're not going to get results in the long run. You're eventually going to revert back and move away. And then he also talks about metabolism and things like that where you try and restrict yourself too much and then you're mind the microbiome and all these things play play a big part in your long-term uh kind of ability to diet or absorb mm-hmm. food and nutrients and it's really really powerful i think you know there's so many things that were once considered like old school or basics but we're going back to slowly because we're realizing actually that's what works 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what that intuitive eating is all about. about. It's yeah, like, yeah. Um, and that's really like what I realized when I was transitioning from being like full fitness, to like yoga too. I was like, something's missing. Cause I've helped people lose like 50 pounds. Right. Yeah. And they keep it off for a while and then they start gaining the weight back mm-hmm. because you can't keep like being rigid forever. Like it's just not. Yeah. So um, I really recommend people just like eat colorfully. Yeah. Things that you enjoy. Don't eat processed food. <laughs> and then Color should... and flavor, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eat as many colors as you can on your plate. And yeah. I feel like we should start a book club too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So books. I love all your books. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good time for reading, especially for um, for this kind of category, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot to talk Definitely. about. Yeah. So have you ever done word associations before? No, but I, well, you're going to ask me. That's the correct uh, so I will start first. There's always, always happens that I, I say one word and everyone's like, what? I'm like, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah, he's good at that. <laughs> okay, so I'll take it away. I haven't pre-prepared these, by the way. So this is what comes into my mind as well. <laughs> okay, coaching. Me. <laughs> Abundance. Joy. Yoga. Uh, Bali. <laughs> Giraffe. Giraffe. <laughs> um, the wild animal park in San Diego, because I've seen them there. Okay. Um, and then uh, Philippines. Blue water. <laughs> Martin, you're... Health. <laughs> I feel like these aren't great answers. Oh, health. Um, wellness. <laughs> Retreats. Yoga. <laughs> Money. Power. I don't know why that came to my mind, but. <laughs> Organization. Uh, Virgo. I'm a Virgo. <laughs> Wildlife. Nature. Yeah, it's really. Sorry, those were bad, exciting of answers. <laughs> yeah, I think it, that was really good. It was. <laughs> really interesting you know the first thing that comes up and that, that's the whole point so yeah that's, yeah that's really interesting the power thing i was like i don't even want to say this right now. <laughs> exactly but, but yeah. I did. yeah yeah i you think know, that's like, like a good a really good thing to i should incorporate that into my coaching see what's like really going on in there you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i mean these questions that we do at the end they're all about building perspective from our guests and to build a sense of relatability because I think uh, social media especially is a really good way to build bridges away from people or between people right Um, but then Mm. also you need to find a way to shorten the distances and I think when you kind of just show someone for who they are and you ask these everyday questions that are very almost cliche right templated I think that's that's a good way to to connect the listeners and and bring the yeah. whole community together. I think that's really important. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, even with like my podcast, I feel like I sound way more serious than I am in person, you know? So I think what you just said is very accurate. And um, yeah. that's a good thing to like really think about how we can. What can we look forward to in your podcast coming up? 
Because I know you've had some really cool guests on. Yeah. Um, what do I have? I have an episode coming out um, on Chinese medicine and herbal medicine. That'll be out in a few weeks. Right. Um, I also have one coming out with actually the friend that I told you about uh, who has the fitness uh, YouTube channel. Um, it's called Live Lean TV. If anyone's interested in checking it out, they have all sorts of good stuff. Um, so we talk about just how you can stay fit, especially if you're like still at home. Um, and I'm going to have her back on to talk about actually like uh, fitness and motherhood and pregnancy because she's had two kids. If you guys check them out, you'll be amazed. Her, she's like insane. Um, what else? I have a bunch of stuff coming out, but I'm blanking right now. I have one coming out about Reiki and energy healing. And I'm like, oh, I don't have my thing. But yeah, all sorts of stuff coming up. Just nice. really trying to keep the, the topics like a well-rounded range of wellness topics for people so that they can like, oh, we, I had a skincare episode come out two days ago too, if yeah. anyone's interested in natural skincare. We were discussing that, weren't we, Stas, having a skincare guest on? You should. You were actually, yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. So, yeah, that's a bit spooky. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kim, the woman who I just aired the episode with, she's amazing. So, yeah. you guys, yeah. And I have other people I can recommend, so, yeah. Yeah, there was something that I read in an article about makeup and, and building a mask and, you know, like then it talked about health of the, sorry, the skin health generally is, is not at its highest when we look back in history and stuff like that. So I just thought, you know, having a health, um, sorry, a skin specialist, and it was actually someone who specialized in skin aerobics. That's what the person's specialty was, skin aerobics. Hmm. So Interesting. That's what we were discussing, but we've had so honestly back to back days with interviews and talks with so many amazing people, including yourself. So, um, yeah. that's why it's really, tough sometimes on the mind you have to kind of recharge yeah. and move away from podcasts and then come back to have that same intensity I feel but yeah it's it's definitely totally. you know if you want to speak to people if you want to get that information and, and document it it's definitely possible everyone's so collaborative these days yeah I love it yeah yeah, yeah the skin thing though just going back to it it's crazy like I, I'll just give you guys one example um so a woman I had on my podcast a while back um, on colonics, actually, we were talking about this. If you step on a piece of garlic, she told me she's actually done this. You step on a piece of garlic within like 20 seconds, you should be able to taste it. Like that's how absorbent your skin is. So if you just take that and think about everything you're putting on your skin and most of it is, and we talked about this in that episode with Kim this week, um, most products have a lot of like toxic stuff in them. So if you think about that garlic thing and then like what you're putting on your skin and how fast that's absorbing into your bloodstream, it's pretty, pretty scary and really important for people to like become aware of. Well, I'm pretty sure your skin is semi-permeable, right? So it definitely has a huge impact on like, especially things like pollution, right? People would think, mm -hmm. oh, if you wear a mask, you're, you're safe from pollution, but you know, it can go through your pores, your skin and it, it can still seep into your body, which is really worrying. Yeah, definitely. Uh, That's why I want to have a house in like the mountains someday, like <laughs> away from everything. <laughs> the clean air. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty insane. All the environmental stuff. And then, but we do have a choice of like the products we use and 
yeah. what we choose to put on our skin while we don't have control over the air quality per se yeah. we can at least choose like what kind of products we're like supporting and using and all of that mm. stuff definitely i think that category is going to grow so much as people become more and more aware yeah so if it's not for the quality of the cream or the product if it's to do with maybe the toxins that are damaging you know things like sun cream does it damage the corals okay let's get the alternative pay one or two mm. pounds more okay is it creating acne is it giving me problems that i wouldn't even associate with the skin you know because the skin's also very intelligent you know it's, it's got so many nerve endings and stuff so it's the, mm. biggest organ, it's the biggest organ in the body yeah you know i was about to say that but i thought i don't <laughs> want to say something that's wrong and then yeah <laughs> it <laughs> is yeah, it's true. Yeah. big old organ <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well it was a pleasure having you on honestly it's, it's such a good conversation uh, i definitely have to plan a part two some down some, sometime down in the future i would love that thank you so much you guys were so great and easy to talk to and i'm glad we could connect yeah thank you i feel like i have two friends over there in, in london yeah. right you're yeah. in london right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, coming to london then uh, let us know definitely yes you got two or two hopefully Hopefully we'll be able to fly soon. So yeah, thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Kelly. Bye.